welcome to this week's episode of PodCash, the Portable Professional Development Podcast from CASH. This week we're speaking to Jake Forecast, who's a primary education student at Canterbury Christchurch University and nursery nurse. Hiya Jake. I mean, how did you get here? What is it that made you decide that early years was the career for you? Um, well, actually I stumbled into it accidentally. Um, <laughs> So I started doing early years um, when I finished my GCSE. So I was looking at opportunities to go into a teaching assistant level three, level two role. Um, But around my area, which is Essex, um, we don't really get those type of opportunities. Um, So then I come across uh, Epping Forest College, which is now uh, New City College. And they did the early years education and care um, level three. Um, which I thought would be a way to go into a teaching assistant role, but actually it was completely different. Um, the teaching there was fantastic, and I just loved being mm. in an early years setting ever since. Um, it helps me to see the impact that edu- uh, practitioners and educators make. Um, and ever since then, I've just been able to use my skills in the setting that I work at and try and implement that into my practice as I go into teacher training. Great answer. Um, I think there's a lot of people who maybe didn't experience nursery who might listen to the podcast. Um, so for them, I'm not sure that they understand how in-depth early years education is or the kind of things that it, it, it lays the foundations for. Um, how important do you think it is for people to get a good early years education as opposed to just being looked after while their parents work? Mm. Well, there's a lot of views going around and some criticism that they say that practitioners only play with the children. And for me, that's definitely something that I don't agree with. It's the fact that obviously practitioners do play with the children, but they obviously play with them for a reason, not only to to make sure they're welcoming into setting, but to also make sure that their learning and development is driven within the activities that are put out and the environment that they are in so for me i wasn't in a nursery setting um due to the geographical area that i was there wasn't that opportunity um to have that luxury as as some people may say but um so for me it was just a transition from going to normal schooling um but for me, early years education is vital for children's development. And I think any parent who does get a chance to go into nurseries um, should seek the opportunity um, to ensure that like, children's progress is on track. And if not, why is that? And to try and to explore that in greater depth. That that's really sense? good. And it, yeah, that makes total sense. Um, and you said there that um, you know, part of that is helping parents to understand their their child's development. Um, Do do you think that that's something that early ed practitioners um, should have a a role in um, for parents? Do you think parents should engage with early ed practitioners to to find out more about child development? Because in in my experience, um, I'm not a parent, but but my sister is, um, Mm. you don't get a lot of support as a parent to actually look at those milestones or, or look at sort of helping your child to develop more about making sure they don't die. Um, I believe it's crucial that uh, parents 
they're getting contact with early years practitioners and making that connection with the early years practitioners but especially with the key person that the child is with to make sure that their progress is up to date um so i've been with parents that um that haven't really connected with the practitioner and it's usually because obviously of work or anything else but it's vital for me it's vital that parents get into contact and stay within the communication loop of the child because at the end of the day the child is at the centre of their well-being of their education development and just to ensure that their day not only the child's day is important to them but just to seeing how their child is developing and how they've progressed from one end of the spectrum to the other and seeing how that's going to affect them in education. And in fairness, there's not a lot of time um, ever mm. and that parents are often mm. just coming to pick up their child or drop their child off. Um, what sort of strategies do you think that settings can use to empower parents to be more involved? Well, some opportunities, for example, in my setting, uh, we have tapestry, so we keep children up to date uh, with their progress every week, and so parents get the chance uh, to download the app and look at their children's progress and see what they've made, and seeing how can they improve their progression further, and although it's hard because parents are working, sometimes parents do get the opportunity to feedback on that progress and try and do something at home in order to build that progress up. Um, obviously working is an issue and obviously early years is such a busy setting and sometimes obviously as you said sometimes we just don't get time but having a really quick communication with the parent not quick as oh, I were fine today it's more of saying of what they did that day and because sometimes it must be vital for them parents to see what their child has done so for example the other day uh, one of the practitioners said they were bonding with another child and that child has never bonded with another child before and that parent was quite taken back so for practitioners to hear about and for parents to hear about what the child has been doing is absolutely vital you were talking about engagement sort of um sort of building relationships with both children and with parents and, and within settings um, and I know that um, you've been quite outspoken and talked quite a lot about being uh, a man in early years and we know that there are um, still a ridiculously small number of you um, working in, in early years and mm. um, how have you found that? During my training it's been quite difficult because uh, being at college for example uh, there was only two males in the early education department and that's quite sad really because some children don't get that opportunity of having a male role model in education and there's something I really are, I'm passionate about is to ha have a gender balanced sector um, to ensure that children just get that opportunity. That there is still a, a bias towards different genders performing sort of different roles. Is that one of the reasons that it's important or do you think it's more about other aspects of that? Um, well, I think it's a lot of aspects that go into why there's not a lot of males in education. And often it's got to do with society and what society thinks of males in education. Sometimes they feel that a male is not suitable for the role because they're too masculine. Um, and sometimes they may even say it might be a risk for the child 
um, because of obvious safeguarding concerns and everything, but really it could be from both genders. Yeah. I mean, when I was in the early year setting before, I know there was a couple of parents that would give me a bit of a funny look because there's a male in early year setting as may be seen as not right, but if we go back a couple of years, we found that actually an early year setting and education used to be more male-based and there wasn't a lot of females. So it's kind of like the role is reversed in some kind of ways. And when we're calling out for early years practitioners in colleges and um, other providers, um, we don't really see that drive for men in education. I think that's the struggle that we have at the moment is the drive to have males in education. And do you think that that is that men don't necessarily consider it as an option because of those societal norms and what you're presented with as a choice? So for me, I feel that men don't really have feel that they have the opportunity to go into education. I know that some males yeah. in early years in education, they want to have that drive. I mean, I had a drive since I was at a young age, about six years old, and because of a male like, what uh, had an influence on me to become a teacher, I went and done that. So some men do have a drive for it and others feel like they want to do it, but they feel like they'll have some kind of backlash. And for me, especially in the society that we live in today, we've got to move away from what society thinks of amounts in early years and education and try to put a positive spin onto it and saying that yes we do have an impact as well as females in education we want this early year sector to be gender balanced and to make sure that we all make a difference to children in education because they're at the heart of everything they do. No I, I totally agree and um, I've, I've, I've got my own theory as to why we don't have um, as many men in early years education as we do women. I have a firm belief that if we standardise parental leave across both genders, um, we would see a shift in not only early years and caring roles being taken up by men who could now identify that that was something that they actually really wanted to do, um, but that we might also see a shift in some of those gender politics or um, mm -hmm. things like the gender pay gap um, and maternity discrimination for women because there'd be just as much risk um, for businesses elsewhere um, outside of early years and care to, to take on women instead of men. Um, mm, I completely agree. Is, is, is that, does, that, does that ring true? Is that something that you could see having an impact on, on the male work, workforce within care? Yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, so having more increased maternity leave, not only would it help um, to have a drive in males in early years but it was also be able for to for new like even new dads and maybe returning dads just having more of a bond with their child and making seeing their child learn develop and having that emotional attachment with their child and maybe that might bring an increase into males in early years because they may have had that impact and to make sure they have an impact on other children. It's quite low paid compared to other jobs that have a similar level of responsibility. Um, and we know that as well as um, sort of those entry level jobs within early years education being lower paid, um, there's also less emphasis on them being a career. 
Um, and a lot of people who go into early years education think of it as being a job rather than as, as a career with progression and a good structure to get actually quite a well-paying job further down the line. Um, do you think that that impression of early years education as being a job rather than a career is something that prevents people from all different sections of society from, from taking up post in early years? This is my personal belief, is the fact that males get more of an opportunity of leadership and management and promotions rather than women, which is completely biased. And uh, we was actually speaking about it in uni the other day. So we was having a talk with my tutor and saying how uh, females get blamed for mistakes in leadership. And we actually had quite an in-depth conversation about it. One of the reasons why males go into leadership and management and not actually going towards the role of what they actually been there for, if that makes sense. So, for example, yeah. if you're going if you're going to early education and then becoming a head teacher, this is my personal opinion. If you are a head teacher, you're not necessarily teaching. Obviously, it's leadership and management, but you're not actually teaching. You're not there to teach the children something. You're there to support the staff. And obviously you're you're at the the children here and there and everywhere, but you're not. It's not the fundamental part of teaching the children, if that makes sense. So I think so. What you're saying is is that men sometimes get um sort of pigeonholed into leadership and management roles when they might prefer to be on that front line, actually supporting children with that development and with that day to day um child interaction, rather than having a team that they then have to support to do that at more of an arm's length. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I meant. <laughs> um, but obviously, as early years moves on, you can turn it into a career. I think you just need that time um, and settling in in order to move on, develop. That makes perfect sense. Um, and in your experience, are there many people within early years who maybe don't know what direction that they want to go in um, as they progress their career within early years. Um, I do agree with that statement. I feel that I just feel like they should just stick to the job, but not seeing that they've got many opportunities available for them. And I think that's one of the reasons why not only there's a lot, not a lot of males in education, but just uh, there's not a lot, uh, a lot of um, practitioners leaving the job and then coming back. If I was to give any advice, it would be to it would just uh, look at all the different opportunities um, that you've got within that setting. Um, and if the opportunity arises and you feel confident in doing so, then go for it. Brilliant advice. So you've got a bit of forest school over there and then you've got Montessori uh, school bit over there. But really, it's I see it as uh, different opportunities within the setting so for me when I first go into a setting or when I first go into a school I see what type of areas have been developed and try to see and further develop on what theories have built upon that and how is it driven today. No that makes sense so you're working in an earlier setting now and um, you're working as a nursery nurse at level three in a nursery and um, are there any bits of that that you found more difficult than you thought you might? Um, obviously, I've been in a year six classroom, so 
for the past nine months. So when I went back into the OU setting uh, last month, it was quite a throwback, I must admit, <laughs> um, of taking a step back and just going, right, okay, I'm in the OU setting. And it's, uh, it's pretty much going back into um, way of doing things if that makes sense and I think sometimes teachers have the opportunity as well when they go into a high year group and then they have to go into a low one they have to adjust and I think that's something that I had to do um, but I feel that having the opportunity to go from early years to year six to go to early years again it's actually given me a better insight in how to grow and develop as a practitioner and having that knowledge that I've gained over those nine months with tutoring and the lectures and the seminars, obviously to help with the cash and lemonite and placement experience and trying to put that into the setting. And I think all of that experience that I've had is definitely worthwhile. But that's how I feel that I've grown as a practitioner and how it's helped support my practice in general. Oh, that's lovely to hear. Nice being helpful talked a little bit about sort of the stuff that, that's helped from the experience that you've had and, and how it's been going into a, a nursery role as a practitioner. Does everything in a nursery when you're there as a member of staff work the way that it did when you were in a nursery as a practitioner in training and a placement? To be honest, going into university and then coming back into the role it's given me more of a better insights than I have with my training because obviously the course has been revalidated so we've looked at inclusion and uh, children with SEN and English traditional language and how society has viewed early years in education and how, how it's all developed and then gaining my opportunity and then going back into a setting um, has actually improved my practice as well as behaviour management that's definitely helped because I've recently struggled with that in the past. Um, that makes sense? It does make sense, yeah. So do you think that you're, you're still learning, even though you're in a setting as a, a fully paid up member of staff? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, as, I mean, as a, as a fully member of staff, you are continuously progressing and continuously learning. I feel that I'm learning every single day when I'm with the children and how they, the difference of how they think in their cognitive development to how I think. And it's quite fascinating to see how they come up with different perspectives. That, that's a, a different answer to the one I was expecting because um, I think I was expecting an answer about learning from maybe your colleagues or parents, but the idea of learning from the children that you work with is a, a really nice way to, to think about being yeah. at work. But as you said about learning with uh, colleagues and teachers and um, parents, I've definitely learned from them, um, obviously settling into a new setting. Um, and obviously it's basically the triangle of learning, as I would call it. Um, I, I feel like I've just progressed myself further in that. And I think obviously the child is the centre of everything we do. And I think the children teach us things more than we teach the children sometimes. That's really nice. Um, and in terms of getting into the heads of children, um, I know you like yourself a good early years book. Um, what's your <laughs> favourite children's book? Oh my goodness. <laughs> See, that's a hard one. Um, I would say my favourite book at the moment is Boy Frog 
because we learned it in uni and seeing how we can see the different perspectives and I was doing it with my children the other day because someone brought in the book and they absolutely loved the book and I think because they interact with the book and seeing how it rhymes to see the rhythm of and the pace of the book and they seem to enjoy it I think for me that that for when they enjoy the book that's why I enjoy the book I think my all-time favourite book is definitely The Graffalo by Julia Donaldson. It's, it's just a fantastic book that's just grown on with me over the years and it's an all-time children's classic and favourite and every child, every setting that I've been with and every child that I've spoken to, they've always said that The Graffalo is one of their favourite books. I mean, children's books are something that seem timeless um children's stories are exactly the same now as they were when i was a child and a lot of the stories that i read when i was a child were actually written when my mum and my grandmother were children um have you found any sort of common themes within children's books that that make them a thing all of their own i feel it's more of the communication with the book and how um the language and the literacy has uh, developed in the book so obviously I was talking about the rhyme the rhythm but it's also about the illustrations and it's also kind of like a music rhythm to it I feel that when I was in university we was learning both music and English we could kind of see why children enjoyed that opportunity yeah because it means language in and of itself quite musical isn't it Mm. I mean, for me, music is fundamental uh, for children. Um, and my personal opinion is that we don't get enough music in education in early years. And it's something that I will also drive to do within my time in education and teaching. If you're interested, there's a, a really good series on Cashel and Night by an author called Ryan Humphreys. Um, oh, okay. And Ryan's a community musician. Um, okay. And he's written an amazing series for Cash Alumni on embedding music within other lessons um, and how you can use music in different ways with different pedagogies um, in early years education. So obviously they're there, help yourself. Oh, okay, I will do. Thanks for that. I might write that down no. actually. <laughs> do, do you, you're choosing to go into teaching um, at mm. a very um, difficult time for the teaching profession. Um, it's definitely challenging. I mean, when I went to work experience in year 10 and seeing the opportunities there and then seeing the now in 2019 and how it's changed, it has changed so much. And I can clearly see why some teachers have been coming out of the workforce. Um, it's because of stress and a lot of workload. And obviously I know that Ofsted and Department of Education are trying to reduce that workload and uh, schools are trying to reduce that workload. But nowadays in education, it's very difficult because most of the teachers have to do everything now. Sometimes it can be a bit full on. Sometimes it can be. And then I know, I know that sometimes you may have days where you might have a really bad day. I mean, I've definitely had those bad days uh, when I was practicing my teaching. Um, but then you've just got to get yourself back up again. And sometimes workload does take over. It does take over. Um, but 
um, you just got to think of why you were there in the first place, and I think that's what makes teaching worthwhile. I think that that's an excellent piece of advice for anyone who goes into a career that they've chosen um, to, to do social good or anything, really, I suppose. I think that's a, a great message for anyone. That's mm. an, an excellent way to reframe things and renew your excitement about something that might be a challenge, but is also a huge opportunity for change. That's... Yeah, I mean, I do love a challenge and, <laughs> and that's the reason why <laughs> I just want to make a change um, because obviously there's not a lot of mouths in education as, as it's been previously discussed. And in my cohort, there's about five, six males um, out of a possible, I think it's like 150, 200. So yeah, I think I'm just trying to make a difference and we're all making a difference together because we've all seen the impact. I think we're just trying to make a difference in everything that we do. And I think that's the most important thing. And that's what Christchurch and obviously other unis are trying to drive as well. If you could point the audience in the direction of practitioners that you think um, they really should be following if they're interested in the early airspace or in any of the different sort of causes that you've talked about while we've been chatting today, who is mm. it that people should be following? Um, well, well, you know that I use Twitter a lot for CPD. I always retweet something that could be either used as um, as CPD or it could be used for my assignments. But for early years, some uh, sometimes I look at Kathy Brody, who is a really good early years consultant and sometimes does really good advice on her blogs. Um, as the Bryce Clegg is really good as well. Uh, Laura Henry. But just trying to keep up to date with early years, I know that um, the early years department at Leighton Sixth Form College, they've recently made the hashtag EY Twitter tag team. Um, it'd be great if anybody can get onto that. It's absolutely amazing. Um, and trying to get updated on the issues that are, uh, that uh, surround that. Wait, is that your dog? <laughs> yes, it is. I don't know what's happening outside. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you want me to say that again? <laughs> If you want to, but it'll be all right. I guess it won't be a problem. I'm sure everybody will be really pleased at the third dog. I'll, be, I'll leave that in then. <laughs> <laughs> and where is it that people can find you online? J underscore forecast two eight, and you can also find me on LinkedIn as well. Well, Jake, thank you so much for your time. It's been absolutely great to talk to you. And thanks to you at home or on the go for joining us. Don't forget, if you've got some best practice or you'd like to share with us um, something great, um, you can get in touch with us at alumni at cash.org.uk. That's alumni, A-L-U-M-N-I, at cash, C-A-C-H-E for echo, dot org dot uk. And we'd love to speak to you. You can find us at the Cash Alumni website at www.cashalumni.org.uk or through the main CASH website for information about qualifications and other CPD at www.cachevacor.org.uk.